a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to another episode of They've Got Now. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you've not already, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, I'm really excited to be joined today to, to talk about one of the teams that's had a very hot start. Uh, we had that same discussion last year, but it feels a little bit different this year. Uh, that's the Dallas Wings with Reagan Peebley, who does an awesome job uh, as a color commentator analyst for the team. Reagan, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Especially right now, both of my dogs are asleep. So hopefully <laughs> the mailman doesn't come in the middle of this and start barking. But, um, you know, if we're going to talk any analytics, my dogs are completely undefeated between the mailman and them. Um, you know, I think it dawned on me the other day that they bark at the mailman every single day for 12 years of their lives. And every day when they bark, the mailman turns around and leaves. So <laughs> they think they're undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we won't have that disruption though. I love that. Their barks per 75 is off the charts. So you can't, <laughs> can't complain about that. Um, you know, before we even talk about the wings, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about just how you watch games and how, how you kind of approach it. Like, obviously you have had a really successful coaching career. How, you know, when you go from, uh, like, how do you kind of take your coaching hat off to look at yeah. games or do you really? I really don't take that hat off. And, you know, that might be uh, for listeners, something good, something bad. Maybe it's both. But, um, you know, I started doing this with the Wings. I played in the league. They mm -hmm. moved from Tulsa here. Um, and where they play at UT Arlington at the College Park Center is about 15 minutes from uh the fort worth and where i live and so they had reached out and just were like hey are you interested in trying to you know do this and i wasn't really sure at the time um a if i would have the time and b if that's you know the best way for me to support the team and um obviously being an alum of the league if that mm -hmm. was going to be the best way and i picked up the phone and i called doug bruno 
because he's right there in Chicago mm-hmm. and he's just, I felt like done a great job, um, you know, supporting the sky since they got there. And I asked him like, why do you do it? What do you do? And he's like, be involved as much as you can without it impacting your job. And it's going to help your team. It's going to help your your role as a coach. And uh, I'll tell you what, what doing this with the wings has done is you get access to practices, um, not only the Dallas Wings practices, but every team that comes in. They're mm-hmm. so amazing and generous with letting me come into their practices. Sometimes they're film sessions, um, spending time with coaches. You steal actions, you steal terms, you steal rotations defensively, decisions on when you go, call timeout and when you don't. So um, I've really just tried to approach going into these games like a coach who's continuing to try to grow um, in what she does and uh, talk about what I see, um, you know, approach it like a scouting report. I love that. Um, uh, yeah, it's always interesting getting people's perspective on how they how they do or don't look at it. Um, and to backtrack to my favorite, I, I don't know Doug personally, but um, I was up at Boo Williams uh, at the obviously for the start at EYBL. So it's like 90 degrees out and you've been in the Hampton gym before. It's not the, it's not, I mean, it gets hot, yeah. especially as the day goes on and <laughs> right. you have more and more teams through every single day is wearing the Paul sweater with a collared shirt. I swear to God, only person wearing double waves <laughs> in that gym the entire time. That's my Doug Bruno story, but he's um, the best. He's yeah, the he best. seems great. Um, so are you still like pouring over synergy? Are you somebody who's yeah. obviously taking in the whole league as well? Not just, not just the, the games prepping for Definitely. Um, you know, I believe analytics are an important part of the game and it's really fun to see where analytics has gone. Synergy definitely um, helped drive that for a lot of us as coaches. Um, you know, but I, you also have to put analytics in their right place, mm-hmm. um, especially um, if you're going to be a coach. And I think if you're going to be somebody who is um following a team and talking about a team a lot because they don't tell the whole story. Uh, There's a lot that Mark, you and I are aware of that we don't know. Um, And it, it, that might explain some of the numbers that, and also may not explain some of the numbers. Um, We don't know about uh, some of the details behind a player's recovery, their um, health, their mental health uh, dynamics in the locker room, um, why a player all of a sudden went off in one game. It might be because they had an emotional attachment to that game. So you just have to have an awareness, I think, when you look at the numbers, that they aren't the whole story. Um, just Play is something that I really like. Um, they're another uh, resource and actually the one that I probably utilize the most. It's, a, I think, really user-friendly Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, I think tells some really cool sides of the story, especially in regards to lineups. Definitely. Yeah, no, I use PYP, P- PBP stats a ton to try mm-hmm. and keep track of lineups stuff. Cause it's, it's really accurate. It's helpful. Um, yeah. I guess, I mean, that, that part lays into talking about this. Cause like the team's three and one now their one losses to Chicago They're second in offensive rating, 10th in defensive rating, second in pace right now. How do you try and parse through exactly like you mentioned? Like, I think. Some of the numbers match up for me, some don't. And I think part of it's trying to like, a, especially talking about pace, like it's every, every season, the pace starts off really high and it'll, it'll probably tamp down a little bit, even with it's st- still known it's going to be high. 
Um, but like, how do you kind of parse through some of that noise while also yeah. taking into account what you're getting? Well, Kurt Miller, I think, is somebody that is one of the best at understanding the team he has, where his strengths lie, and how that parlays into pace required to play. Um, you saw when he was with Connecticut, um, you know, the decisions he would make with pace if he had Thomas on the floor or not. And that that changed the dynamics of his team so much. He knew he... They were going to score quick if they could uh, off their defense, and it was going to be two-on-ones, three-on-twos. And if not, they were going to slow it way down and play through their four and five and kind of pound ball it more. Um, so I, I think, you know, just watching what he does and how he'll change his pace is a place that I, I've learned a lot from. Um, watching this Dallas team, though, is really tough to figure out when it comes to pace, because right now it's so much a part of their identity. Like you said, I mean, they're second in pace behind Las Vegas and dang, Las Vegas is fast. It's it's um, just to, just to pause on that for a sec. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like they're <laughs> I mean, they're filling lanes They're They have somebody getting like I mean, what I've loved, just the quick seals like it's all it's not just like taking a quick shot. It's like, it's the quick best shot. It's been ridiculous watching how fast it, like, it really takes teams by surprise. And it I'm does. excited to see how it continues to, to play out throughout the season. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, it's just there. I can't help. And for obvious reasons, but also when you take some other things, peel it back, watching Las Vegas right now, think of some of those Spurs teams yeah. and how, well they play off of each other how quick their decisions are made in the backcourt when the change of possession happens and what type of action they can get into where the miss cross matches are going to develop mm -hmm. like they just are making decisions so quickly um becky's doing a, a phenomenal job there but the tough thing with dallas that i'd say is they're having so much success playing a fast pace but they don't have tiara mccowan on the floor right now she's only played 15 minutes total in those four games that they've had, and they're not going to have her for at up to 11 more games. She's going to head back overseas. And she'll change that pace. She's in as good a shape as I think she's ever been. Um, but that being said, Tierra McCowan sustaining this type of pace for significant minutes in a game, I don't think is realistic. Um, nor is it really utilizing her strength, which is probably slowing it down, letting her impact the rim. That requires other players to kind of get settled into spots around her, maybe putting some different personnel around her with some shooters, right? So it's tough because you get excited with what they're doing, but Tierra McCowan is a maxed out player and there's an expectation and a very reasonable expectation that she's going to play and how will that change some of the numbers that we see um, that Dallas is experiencing? Yeah, no, exactly. I think it's really interesting because exactly like you mentioned, like, okay, well, she's probably going to be back in time just based on everything before she has to leave um, to go over for Euro cup, but also like it's going to be a small sample size and then she's going to be gone again. So it's like, all right, you're getting this, this whole thing going right now. And we, I mean, we can dive yeah. into that in a sec, but like you, you're, you're getting this whole style of play, which just feels very different from what we're actually going to see with T. Cause even when, mm -hmm. when T played in the, in the first game, um, like it didn't quite feel like it was, it, it almost felt like the game just kind of took pace, took, took place with, with playing that pace and they didn't really play through her that much. 
Um, yeah. So that's really interesting. And then even especially defensively, I think is what I'm most fascinated by, because like you can do mm-hmm. some stuff with Tierra. It's not just like playing straight drop with her, but, you know, compared to what they're doing now, you know, that's going to be very different. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But I, I mean, the biggest thing. Yeah. The biggest yeah, Mark, thing here just, is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It, yeah. If I could just uh, interject right there, I think the defensive element with Tierra will be interesting, especially ball screen coverage. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, last season, so many teams would just put Arike and Tierra into ball screen defense and see what they could do, especially if you had a five that didn't have to roll. Um, if you had a five that while Tierra is in that drop coverage could just either find that pocket or get into a pop action. And, you know, really that point of attack element right there wasn't always about the screener or the ball handler. It was about where the help was going to come from in covering the the big and the in the uh, in the pop action mm-hmm. and playing off of that. Um, so defensively, that's how people dealt with Tierra and Enrique last year. And in those 15 minutes that we saw her play, there were quite a few possessions where we saw people were going to try to take that approach again. Um, and I don't know that Dallas yet has an answer and how they're going to handle that. But I do think, without getting too far ahead, them bringing Kaylani in gives them a peek into what yeah. some of those answers could become. Yes, but she looks so good in the last game too. But I actually have a, a really niche question that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Okay. How have you felt about ice coverage this year? Not just the wings, but across the board. So I was thinking about this mm-hmm. yesterday when I was watching. It's, it's clicked for me the last couple of times. Maybe it's just I'm noticing it more this year, but it feels like there's more intentionality to really try and take advantage of pops against ice. And mm-hmm. I think like Atlanta struggled with a little bit early season, especially like Nalissa, because what she what she had going with, she's just taking more threes and what she can do attacking from there. Um it feels like we're seeing more teams really try and empty out and attack ice. And maybe, again, maybe I'm just seeing it weird, but I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I think again, people are utilizing it as a point of attack and where the ice in the past has really tried to neutralize that point of attack. Now offenses are getting smarter and understanding how to um, sustain, sustain that downhill approach. Um, You know, I mean, and you're seeing it in the NBA, obviously, and a lot of times what we see in the NBA gets replicated in what the W is showing. If you can engage two and start to play off that backside, whether it's ice coverage, it's an early post entry, you're going to put defense into quick rotation. Um, And you see so many teams just at this time of year that part of their defense isn't uh, sophisticated yet. It's not proactive yet. Um, I think as the season goes on, we'll start to see that off-ball coverage be more proactive because they're going to know what the difference between um, at dealing with, okay, let's say with the Tierra McCowan conversation, Tierra setting a ball screen and kind of fading out of that as the big compared to uh, uh, Satu League. And you'll just see, I think, um, uh, more intentionality in what that off-ball coverage is doing. No, definitely. I love that. I think uh, that's what's going to be so exciting because this kind of happened in the NBA the last three or four years where ice used to be so in vogue, especially, you know, when Tibbs was in Chicago. um, And he's had to change up stuff a ton with the Knicks because of the way that 
I mean, there's just a lot more fours that can really pop and and screen and roll. And I think um, it's kind of hitting the W with that this year. Like, I, obviously, you know, Becky coming in in the way that the Aces, I think we're starting to see a ton of teams, like not necessarily, you know, stars are going to dictate rosters, but, um, you know, the the role players, I think we've already started to see like a real difference in some of the role players getting emphasized and how, um, and how teams want to play through that. And I feel, especially looking at, not to get too, again, not to get too far ahead, but like, Watching mm-hmm. AAU and seeing what the next, you know, five, six years of draft classes is looking like. I'm like, yeah, this is, I mean, that's where it's going towards. I don't think it's going backwards at any time soon. So that's going to be, that's fascinating stuff to think about. Um, it is. It's really exciting. And it's also so important. I think, um, again, the college game is uh, obviously the feeder to the W and seeing more college teams start to play with that international style, the pro style um, is just going to continue. Now you're marrying the talent that's coming up with systems and styles, which is just going to continue to elevate the W. 100%. Um, Well, I mean, that goes right. We got to talk about Satu because Satu has been the story so far. I have a story coming out on her tomorrow. Um, She has been like, I mean, this is, kind of the, the flashes have always been there. Um, but I think the consistency has just hit at a different level this year. Um, the, what, what were your expectations for her coming into the year? And uh, I'm assuming they've been blown away a little bit. Actually, they haven't. I mean, okay. I, I, I've been a Satu fan since day one. Um, and by day one, I mean, when she was at Oregon mm-hmm. <laughs> and then obviously as she stepped into the, the W she just has not been able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the seasons that she's played so far, only 45 games. Um, I mean, that's barely a college season that uh, a players that she's had to develop. Um, and those 40 get 45 games have not been consecutive. They've been a handful and an interruption for an extended amount of time and another handful and another interruption. And that really, really messes with a player's confidence and flow. Um, I think, you know, looking at how she ended the season last year, um, which was probably our best window of what Satu was really going to do. In the last, I think, five games, she assisted or scored 60% of Dallas's points. Um, they do a, a great job. Vicki Johnson did this with her, and I see that LT's doing it as well. She's such a potent tunnel player. When she is in those ices and fading into the tunnel, when she's in a pick-and-pop situation or even in that trail position and balls getting reversed to her, um, especially when she has Tierra or a big down on the block, Natasha Howard as well right now, um, she's a facilitator really well she can see that high low action she knows who you know Enrique hangs out on her left a lot which that's Enrique's favorite side of the floor so she can get into two-man action on that backside or she can capitalize off of a mismatch if her defender's sagging she can shoot that right if her defender's playing her tight she's got that now lane to be able to explore and facilitate I've always seen out of Satu that she does what I say look catch act really well before she's getting that catch, she's already seen the floor. So she's not looking, catching, acting. She's literally look, catch, act. The ball doesn't stick in her hands before she's making a decision. Um, and I think 
that skill combined with she took really good care with her, of her body in the off season. She took some time off and head straight overseas. Um, she had a good, um, uh, I believe, it, uh, Athletes Unlimited season as well. Like she just, she settled here. She likes being here. She likes LT. I think the whole team likes LT. Um, so she's, and it's a contract here. Let's not forget about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a little extra sense of urgency. It's a contract year for her. Um, so, you know, I think there's a, it's a perfect potion right now for her to, um, you know, just kind of stay in that mythical unicorn space and uh, really shine. Definitely. Um, to, to, to go back a little bit, can you explain tunnel player for people who maybe haven't heard yeah. that terminology before? Yeah, the tunnel, right, is this space in between the lane lines of the, uh, the free throw line. And um, that's a, a, an incredible space to be. I mean, I think John Quell is so good in that space as mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, again, players who have a lot of versatility, that point forward position a lot of times um, can be really good in that space. And, you know, it's most defenses, including at the, the professional level, are trying to side the ball or trying to build a strong side and a help side defense. And uh, when the ball is in the middle of the floor, there is no help side built in. So you're putting um, defenses in a bit of a crisis mode just by location of the ball in the hands of a three-layer score, and uh, especially with length. So the tunnel is that space and, um, you know, she's in that space quite often. Yeah. That's, what's been so fun to watch with her because, um, exactly like you're mentioning, I mean, one of the other things that's been really fun this year, it feels like there's been so much more blurring what strong side is for teams, um, mm -hmm. especially with screening angles. Like, cause again, it's something that we saw in the NBA a ton the last couple of years of, um, even if it's quote unquote on the strong side, all right, well, the way that you screen it open, it ends up making it very difficult to actually cover that um, and rotate to it. So it's like, you know, especially with what Satu can do, like the way that she can pop, the confidence she has as a shooter right now. And I think the biggest thing for me is like her consistency and footwork has been incredible this year because she's always had the coordination and the handle, which is what makes her so interesting at 6'4". But then when you put the, the footwork on top of it, she's clearly a little bit more strong in her core this year. Um, and just the finishing is hitting completely differently. I think she's shooting around 74, 75% on in the paint right now. And that's by far the highest of her career. Um, and a lot of that's just being a lot more capable of playing through contact. Yeah. Well, I think she would be really happy to hear that um, you've acknowledged the work she's done just on her strength and her footwork. Um, that was one of the first things when I came into training camp day one and saw her, I was like, holy cow, she looks so much stronger. Her upper body, which is going to help her finish. That's actually mm -hmm. been an area that they've struggled in a little bit, but, um, you know, her rebounding's improved. Um, and I think, you know, her O boards and her D boards, you know, and rebounding's a funny thing, right? Because, you can get the stat when you get the board, but sometimes it's more important in not getting the board because you're really yeah. holding off position and keeping people away. And I've seen Satu be a lot better in that space, but she works really hard on her development. Um, you know, she, uh, she works, I know with a few trainers, one of them being one of the, the um, uh, player development player or coach for the wing, Zach, uh, I think his last name, Zach Bunsick. Mm -hmm. He's very, very good. And he works with her on balance a lot. 
um, and being able to, you know, go catch off of both feet, different types of pivots into your catches. Um, I mean, he, she just, she spends a lot of time on the little details and not just getting the gun out and taking shots. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's the reason I feel better about this year's start than last year's. Um, because this oh, feels yeah. like even well, I don't think she's going to average 21 and nine for the entire season, but with what we've seen so far, like she's playing like a top 10, top 12 player in the league right now. And I don't, Absolutely. I don't really see that going anywhere backwards. Uh, obviously, you know, health, hopefully I, you never want to even try and think about it, but we'll see. Um, and looking at the offense overall though, cause I think she's been mm-hmm. such a big part. Cause like you mentioned, part of what's so important in playing in the tunnels like that, like, and especially like, I love you bringing up the, the catch, uh, catch act and i can't remember sorry i'm like look told, catch act yeah look, look catch, catch act, act. Yeah. yeah like because the biggest thing with her is like like you mentioned it all happens at the same time like it's not there's mm-hmm. there's no delay and that is so much harder for a defense to to attack especially if you draw to and you take a second like okay defense can get back in position or at least make what you did less threatening and, and she's been so decisive like even on top of all of her actual skill development it feels like she's always had good feel for the game but this mm-hmm. year, her her assertiveness has been just at another level, it feels like. Um, and that assertiveness and decisiveness does not manifest itself as selfishness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so huge. Um, again, she's not forcing one-on-one action to happen. She's not taking, I think, um, good shots. She's taking great shots. She's passing up some of her shots and moving the ball as well. Um, but she, I I haven't seen her though, like pass up great opportunities, which again is, I think evidence of really good IQ. Um, and I think this is where the analytics don't always show this stuff, but being in practice and watching this team and getting to know, um, just, just their personality and their, their culture right now, um, she's empowered to do that. And LT's done that. Her teammates have done that. Um, she won't always be the most vocal. She's going to talk when, you know, communication is going to be an asset. But she, when she does speak, she speaks in such a culturally driven way right now that she's commanding a lot of respect from her teammates. And when she's in those moments of empowerment, they, again, want to see her go shine and in no way is it ever being misconstrued as like in any kind of, oh, it's a contract year. She's trying to get her numbers. Like none of that mm-hmm. um, is showing up with this team at all. And Satu uh, and LT, I think, deserve a lot of the credit for that. 100%. Um, and I guess, you know, going off that too, when we talk about looking at some of the noise, um, this team, like, like we mentioned, second offensive rating, well behind Las Vegas, let's say. I mean, Las Vegas is, I think they yeah. have like a 117 offensive rating, which is by far the, the best in league history. Um, Amazing. But how do you feel about the offense in general? Like, do you think yeah. when you watch this team, are you like, that's, yeah, that's the second best offense in the league? Or what do you think when you watch this offense? Well, I'm so surprised. That, like, Satu didn't surprise me, but their offense right now is surprising me because that is not what Latricia Trammell was billed out to be. Yeah. Right. She was billed out to be this defensive guru magician, you know, really helped um, do a lot of uh, some of the the special things defensively we did see out of LA. Um, 
But her offense is what's leading the way right now. It's what's shining. And, you know, she she does have some good offensive players, but I do think sometimes um, good offensive players, especially players like an Enrique, um, are – they can be game-planned against. And they're still finding ways to be efficient. Um, you know, right now I was thinking about this on my uh, walk today. I'm like, I'm wearing my Ted Lasso Richmond hat, which right I now. love, by the way. Yes. Yeah, and my my Ted T-shirt. I'm in Ted mourning right now because <laughs> it just ended. Um, but I was thinking about um, Coach Tramon. I was like, honestly, she is a combination. Like, who would you say, Mark, is one of the best defensive? coaches on the women's side men's or women who would you say oh that's who are so some of your favorite i some know of my favorites because especially you're throwing me to the wolves on that one yeah um totally unexpected man like pro or college i, I guess either. it doesn't really matter either like <sighs> i will say because you know, their their defense wasn't necessarily perfect but i i love what what brenda does at maryland they junk okay. stuff yeah, up and especially the way their 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 team evolve throughout the year too but yeah that would, that would be one for sure i think jeff walls brenda yeah. are really good you know Vic schaefer's obviously built a big obviously don don way. is incredible but yeah don okay so let's just say um let's say brenda okay mm-hmm. let's say brenda she's a combination of a brenda and a ted lasso <laughs> i love that i love Honestly. that has the bob and, cut too so yeah you can't go wrong yeah there you go um <laughs> But what we see out of her is, you know, she's keeping it super simple offensively for them. She's letting them read and react. Again, a lot of empowerment, um, acknowledgement of where their strengths are, play to those strengths. She doesn't even utilize the word weaknesses in their practice and in their film sessions. She just talks about it being areas of development. Um, But she just focuses so much on their strengths and play to your strengths. And look, Mark, that is what great players do. They, it's not that they don't have weaknesses. They have them. They just literally do what they're highly capable of 99% of the time. They don't even show what they're not capable of. And far too many players, like I've seen it in training camps. I saw it in Dallas's training camps where people come in and show way too much of what they're not capable of. And that's what this team is doing offensively is really just trying to play to their strengths. Um, and then you see the defense and more of her coaching is happening, I think, on that defensive end. But back to kind of the original point. Um, yeah, the, this offense is surprising me. The efficiency of it, um, you know, last season, Marina and Enrique took, I think, like almost, I don't even remember. I think I have it written down somewhere, but they took the lion's share of those shots Mm -hmm. for this team. And there's a lot more, um, they're spreading the ball out way more right now. And I apologize. Uh, They're cleaning my my leaves off right now. So it's loud. (laughs) Okay. But uh, they're just, they're sharing the ball much more willingly. Um, I think their transition offense is, again, back to the pace, is crazy right now. They're, Super productive. Um, they right now, let me get you those numbers, but they're like 1.2 points per possession in the first five seconds of play. Pretty good. Yeah. Can't complain that's, about yeah. that. That's yeah, it's pretty good. And then they're one point about 1.2 in the next five seconds. So they're averaging 1.2 points per possession in the first 10 seconds of their offense. Now, last year, 
they showed some of those kind of numbers, not quite as high. Where they were really bad is if they could not score in those first 10 seconds. And right now they're showing a lot more growth in that space. Um, balls reversing. It's not sticking in people's hands. I, th I don't think Arike is forcing us up as many shots in that area of the shot clock. Her shots are coming early and save the day, create the shot the last few seconds of the possession. Um, so, you know, I just think there's, there's still room to grow. They haven't absolutely peaked five game, four games in. Um, but, you know, one of the things I think is interesting, I'd love your take in watching them. What is the advantage of a Natasha and Satu at a four five comparative to a Natasha and Satu at a three, four with a true big inside, like what are, what are some of those things that you see that are great about either one of those scenarios or possibly detrimental? Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think what, what was so interesting is in watching the preseason games, I loved what they brought defensively having when, when we got to see the lineup with, with, you know, like with, with T Natasha and Satu all in the front court, because I thought defensively was what stood out to me overall in the preseason. I thought this team really like the the grit they played with. Uh, they were switching so well, um, and just a ton of like. The, I mean, I thought everything was really ironed out, and not that because the defense we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But mm -hmm. what I do think is different um, when I look at that on, on the offensive end, like in a positive, I think I like Natasha at the five offensively because. Not that she's a terrible decision maker. I just think her handle is rough sometimes at the four, so it can lead to turnovers just because, like, she can be good in the tunnel, but I think when you put pressure on her when she's trying to, to get into the lane, that makes it harder. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have two pop threats like that, playing the four or five, like, that is, especially in early offense and some of the things you can do with, okay, let's just run a quick flare screen if if this isn't available. Like, that, that stuff mm -hmm. has been awesome. I think defensively is yeah. where you have more problems because they have struggled a little bit in the post. Like, um, I think I haven't looked at second chance points, but it feels like they're giving up a lot of second chance points or just second second opportunities. Yeah, they're the, rebounding. They're they're twelfth in the league in defensive yeah, rebounding. That, that sounds right. right now. Yeah. yeah, and you know they're also giving up too many points in the paint. Um, yeah, so I mean that that is a bit of the issue. Um, is the defensive end of the floor uh, with those two right there. But, you know, I, I mean, can they be good enough is the question. <laughs> can they be good enough with those two at the four and five without it necessarily being their strength? Because what you get on the other end and some of the other things um, are just that good. And I, I do think what they can do when they have Tierra McCowan in is Tierra within probably two or three trips down the floor, Tierra's drawn a foul. Yeah. And if she can force um, another team to get into their bench, then I think Dallas can play with some mismatches even more so. Um, and what I think can happen with uh, Satu and Natasha as the season goes on is that they'll play off of each other really well when they're at the four five and at the three four, whether it's recognizing cross matches that happen in transition um, creating those due to, you know, screening actions or whatever, um, and really trying to pick on somebody. I think they can really do that. But I agree with you that Satu's better in the tunnel and Natasha's a little bit better in some other spaces. 
Um, her instincts back to the basket are a little bit better, but I think mm. also when she's out on the perimeter, there's a really nice play against Minnesota where she was sitting in the deep right corner, um, isolated on that side. And, you know, there's some downhill penetration towards her. She gets that kick and she just had so much time, so much time to be able to, you know, get her feet set, knock down the three. And then the following possession, she had the same read, and she, again, had enough time to now read the closeout to be able to attack to the middle. Off of that penetration, she made a nice kick out to somebody, I forget who it was, maybe Veronica Burton on the wing. And, uh, you know, it just was really, really special to see those two play off each other. Yeah, no, and I want to say, too, because um, I really like the point you just made about uh, Satu and, and Natasha finding each other because – like so much of this offense to me is it, like it's it's a lot of read and react. It hasn't felt very set driven, um, and especially like I've loved like you mentioned some of the cross match stuff. Um, when when things get out of that first ten seconds, it feels like they've done a lot of uh, trying to reverse wing top and then post entry, and, and I think they've done a lot of that with just reversing the post, and that's been really fun to watch too because that's super effective. And instead of like. Something I wrote about recently, like just having intentionality with post those matters tongues. I think there's mm-hmm. it's easy to say, like, oh, hey, we have this, you know, 95th percentile post player, let's just get them the ball. I'm like, okay, well, you can't just say, let's dump them the ball because that's yeah. easy to pick on. That's easy to pick up on. Like, all right, you have to run some other stuff, get some other actions going to actually set it up and, and make it harder to just deny something. And um, I like what they've done with that so far. Yeah, um, I agree. We got to see a little bit more of it with Kehlani. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Kalani was. I really like what she yeah. brought, especially defensively too. I really liked that. Um, yeah. I think they're like just getting more rim protection like that, especially with size, was really interesting. Um, and I want to mention as well because we we've talked about our our, our a little bit. Um, I know that her efficiency right now is down, but like you mentioned in ter- talking about the offense overall, this has been, in my opinion, the best playmaking season we've seen from her so far. Like it doesn't feel like she's forcing things as much. Um, I, it feels like. It's easy to lose sight in, in like I don't know, like especially in looking at efficiency, people can be like, oh well, you know, yeah, she's scoring twenty five, but it's on thirty seven percent from the floor. I'm like that definitely plays a part, but overall yeah. process wise, I've really liked it. Like I think she's done a great job of get, try and get early penetration or just force force two and then get the ball moving, and that's such a big yeah. reason of why I think things have been successful for the offense overall because she's not you know taking things over. She is when she needs to. And I think things will course correct. And there's definitely some shots early in transition that I think I'm sure LT empowers her to take and is fine with them, but um, mm-hmm. could could certainly clean up. But I, I've I've been really impressed with her on that end um, from just, again, just process standpoint. But the defense from her has been really fun to watch. Because, again, I know I this team is 10th in defense, but, like, this – we th- just point point blank. We have not seen this kind of defense from Marike throughout her, her, her W career, in my opinion. Yeah. I think what we've seen now, like – I'm not concerned about that at all. Like she's looked very good, especially playing in the passing lanes. She's been aggressive trying to get over screens. Like I've, I've really liked that from her. Yeah, I agree. That's been super fun to watch. Um, and again, it's, you know, she's truly a player that in practice practice is hard. Um, she doesn't practice like you know, I'm the only interested uh, on the offensive end and, practice is you know on the defensive end just not going to be worth my time I'm not getting injured you see that a lot of times especially Mm -hmm. with some all-stars but she's out there practicing on it and uh, you know she knows that 
she's going to have to get her ball screen coverage better. She's going to have to, especially that point of attack action. I do think that's something that Veronica Burton and Dangerfield are bringing. Um, it's somebody else that can really be that first layer of defense um, to deal with as opposed to Arike. But her off-ball defense has improved. Um, you know, they, they call that their championship side of their defense as opposed to their weak side or their off-ball. And that's intentional by LT um, and making sure they understand that, you know, defense, your on-ball defense is going to make you good, but your off-ball defense is what's going to help you win some championships. And, you know, I, I, I really feel like Arike knows, like I've had the all-stars, you know, the scorings here, like there's nothing else that she really has to be concerned about and worried about except for going after winning going after championships and defense is a part of that. Um, you know, she, it appeared to me and I've heard her say some things that like, she really connected well with Brian Agler when he was with the wings and Brian is a defensive coach. Mm -hmm. He is, he is one of those coaches that I would say is one of the best defensive coaches. He's so detail oriented. And I think, she I watched her work with him, and but she did not have the experience yet. You know, there she was just coming off of you know being a rookie, and she didn't have all of that um, that she has now. And right now, she's got it, and she's got a coach that she also loves to play for. Um, she loves to play for her. I'm telling you, like I've never seen Arike smile so much in the tunnels, in the locker room, in the warm-up lines. Um, and she just feels, you can tell she's connected to her. Um, and that's what Trammell wants, is to see people playing some some tough defense, willing to, uh, she, I think she says, put your um, run through leather defensively. Like get after the rebounds, go for some passing lane steals, um, bust through some ball screen action, rotate, you know, from the two nine side for charges. Um, and you just start to see some of that culturally become a uh, second nature. I feel like for Arike. hundred percent. And I guess, I mean, that's the last thing I want to ask too, just about the defense overall. How have you felt about where it's at now and where it can get to? Because I think yeah. when I, yeah, when I watch it, I, it, it doesn't feel like 10th to me. I think part of that's just tough with the mm -hmm. way the pace bakes in. It hasn't felt amazing, but I think a lot of it feels more like stuff that can be cleaned up. Like, I feel like the activity has been there, but it's just uh, getting some of the small things down. But where, yeah, where... well, I think their pace of play messes with some of those numbers, mm -hmm. you know, and so you have to kind of again understand how one analytic leans into another analytic or pulls from. It is well, there's just a higher, so percentages are going to be really important to take a look at um, as opposed to, you know, some of the other, the other numbers. Um, but I'd say the rebounding has got to be better. Uh, definitely. Um, especially for a team that wants to score and transition so much, that's going to have to improve right now. They're 12th in defensive rebounding percentages. Um their defensive free throw rate, I think, is going to need to be better as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right now they're fifth in the league. 26% of their possessions are finishing with putting their opponents to the free throw line. And that's important just because of this team's lack of depth. 
Um, they just don't have it. So if you're putting people to the free throw line, you're fouling. And, you know, we saw in the last game that come close to being an issue in a tight game with Minnesota um, where Natasha Howard had four fouls early um, or late in the third and maybe it was early in the fourth, but um, you know, they just don't have the depth right now and that's going to have to improve right there. Um, I think outside of the analytics, um, as we mentioned earlier, I do think that ball screen coverage element when they have their true big in is going to be interesting to watch. Um, and you have Crystal and Veronica who aren't going to be switch candidates in those situations. Um, they're just too small. And people will just drill them down into the post, which is going to pull more help off of your championship side of your defense, right? So mm-hmm. um, they're going to have to keep finding some ways to, you know, either work harder, work smarter, point of pickups. Um, you know, can you hedge with Tiara and Kehlani? Like, is a walk going to need to step in? Her length really changes some passing decisions in that space. Um, just when they're in that true five, I think that's going to be the point of um, – that's a problem that they still have to solve. Definitely. I think that's the best way to put it. I think that it's an evolving defense, especially just given mm-hmm. what the uh, – what the, you know, what the thought the starting point was going to be, how things have gone so far – um, cause like I thought Chicago pinpointed a lot of that, like they, it only happened probably five or six times in the game, but they ran a lot of, um, whoever was guarding, uh, whoever was guarding Ka and whoever was guarding ball, they were just going to run pistol in an empty all the time oh, try yeah. and get stuff going out of it. So they were like, all right, well, we'll, we'll actually run it. We'll go slip with this. And then, so they, they, you know, figuring out that stuff's going to be important, especially cause they didn't really have a true rim protector on the court. So it made it that much harder, but um, and Mark, to your yeah. point in that game, um, LT was real intentional in trying to play her bench more. Yeah, they, it was a you know road game, the consecutive road game. There was fatigue. They were playing you know that one lineup just crazy amounts of minutes. Um, so when you saw like a Maddie Seacrest come in and have to guard that, like even though she brought length, there there she just was not prepared so again right now dallas is trying to create answers and what they can do strategically and scheme wise with really probably a six seven player rotation um and keeping that pretty tight yeah and it's going to be fun to watch how it keeps going but i mean kind of like we've hit on the whole time i I, i'm really excited about what's going to be under lt like you said the players love her yeah Um, watching her i think i can't remember what shot it was i believe satu hit corner three in, in early early offense and she's running back down the sideline and LT just stands up and daps her up. And I was like, you know, I, yeah, it's not very often you see a coach get up and do that. So I always yeah. appreciate her enthusiasm. I always, uh, I always say I, she makes me want to run through a wall anytime I talk to her and I'm not even playing. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I know. So, and you, you've got to keep the Kleenex nearby because she'll cry. Like, you know, yeah. I do with Hallmark commercials. She's just <laughs> emotional, vulnerable, um, approachable, completely personable. She doesn't talk about winning a lot. And again, this is one of those uh, lasso way type of things that I see in her. She's got some funny like phrases and sayings, um, but uh, she, she is climbing into their hearts mm-hmm. completely. And one of the ways she's doing it is getting to know them and letting them get to know her, letting them see who she is. 
and she is partnering with them. She's not dictating to them. She is partnering with them. And, you know, I think that's the magic in coaching in leadership nowadays. It's nobody wants to be controlled, ruled over, right? They want to partner. And she is showing that um, to be an authentic, real um, characteristic trait and habit of hers. Most definitely. Well, Reagan, I really appreciate you making the time. This was an absolute blast. We'll have to do it again sometime. Um, to everyone listening, Thank of course, you. catch catch Reagan on, on the Wings broadcast. They do a fantastic job, you and Ron. Um, and most importantly, to everyone listening, have a good rest of your day.